back to the farmstead. We're glad you're here. Pull up a chair and rest your heels and let's talk about large family living on the homestead. Let's get after it. Let's do it. We're glad you're back. <laughs> we haven't scared you away yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> we'll have to try a little harder, I guess. Yeah, I guess, we? right? <laughs> well, thanks everyone for all of the shares and the likes and subscribing to uh, all the channels there on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We have gotten a ton of reviews, and we wanted to read some of those. Yeah, it's so sweet, and it's encouraging, too. I think it's fun, especially when the kids go like, Hey, Mom, did you see the this? The kids are the first ones <laughs> to notice we have reviews, and they say, Hey, you got a new review. <laughs> it was funny because I was on the road, and Nate texted me and said, Did you write your own review? And I said, What are you talking about? And he goes, Well, did you have a review. Did you write that? And I said, no. And I looked, and sure enough, we got another review. Apparently, our kids think we write our own reviews there. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Sheesh. So we've gotten some new ones. You yeah. want to read one? I'll read one. We'll go back and forth. Sure. T. Lehue. That's Terrence over at uh, Dan Intellectual Agrarian. Greg and Susan are great hosts, offering a real-world perspective on what it means to farm said with a large family in the modern age. Give it a listen to get the real story, not the fantasy. Well, thanks, Terrence. I've never actually talked to him, but he seems really cool. Yep. He's an organic farm inspector. Ooh. So he gets to see all the nitty-gritty stuff and Yeesh. interview a bunch of people. And That's so fun. The next one is from Whoopsie Daisy Farm. She writes, My husband and I are in our second year farming and have just crossed over from the inhale every learning modality on farming topics to actually getting on the ground and in the field experience. We both comment about how the market seems flooded with how-to farming or idyllic pictures of the simple life. But where are the people keeping it real and being honest about the nitty-gritty? No one talks about the dark side of organic farming, parasites, fungus, the plague, etc., or they do and are burnt out, bitter, and quitting. Can't there be a happy medium of inspirational hope grounded with real life? Greg and Susan have delivered. As new farmers, we can learn, relate, laugh, and give each other pointed looks <laughs> as we listen to this podcast. Listening to their episodes feels like we're being welcomed in their living room and sharing farm stories with old friends. We highly recommend this podcast to both farmers and city folks wanting to hear about real-life people with a real farm and real animals. Give it a listen. That's a good one, huh? That's so great. That's so cool. I'd love to have them in the living room. Yeah, for sure. That's that's kind of the idea is to be able to, you know, share what we're doing just like you are sitting in the living room having a cup of coffee, you know. Uh, we usually are because it's late at night for us, you know, always, like anything seven kids, past It's eight. always coffee. Right. <laughs> so thanks. That was an awesome review. Thanks for listening and uh, so tuning cool. in. All right, and so the next one is from Dynasty0889. says, excellent, excellent podcast, great sound quality, especially for on only being three episodes in. And the little husband-wife banter makes it feel as though you are sitting around down and having or <laughs> sitting around down and having a beer with them my wife and i love listening to the podcast and love the positivity and realness they bring that's cool huh yeah 
That's so cool. I wish we could like sit down with all of them and just have a coffee or yeah if we ever get off keto have a beer right well yeah i'm <laughs> not much like, of a beer they, drinker they but <laughs> seem like good folks well, you can watch me drink one yeah right <laughs> and then uh, the last one we'll read for uh tonight is from raising crops and babies they say good time listening it's a messy life on the farm with messy kids running amok living in a messy farmhouse even before livestock invaded and maybe a messy barn or 20 Greg and Susan help us feel less alone in the trenches together. Speaking of the realness and nitty-gritty of stewarding the earth, no matter if it's five acres or 500, and raising the most important crop, our kids. Amen. That's the truth. That's I, uh, I remember, I think it was back when Diego had us on um, the Permaculture Voices podcast, and that was a point that we were trying to hit hit on and, and drive the point home that, our kid crop is our main crop. Absolutely, none of none of all, all the works of our hands and our, our mind aren't worth anything if we're not putting the the time and the focus and all that energy into actually raising our most important crop. At the end of the day, when we're dead and gone, we can't take any of this with us. But what we do live leave behind is is uh, the legacy of of uh, who we were as a person, how we raise our children. And, you know, they are the next iteration of us. And so it's kind of a, it's an honor and a privilege. And it's, it's definitely the most important crop to, to spend the kind of time and to um, kind of Daily nurturing. cultivate. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So thanks everybody for all of the, uh, the reviews and all the, uh, everything. Uh, we're already over a thousand downloads uh, and we're just at a month in. You guys are so awesome. You guys are awesome. That's, yep. it's, um, Sometimes it's the little things when you, you know, start putting yourself out there like this and starting to share more of your life with with folks. Um, you know, all the we, we see when when folks share and they like and they, they give us the the reviews. It just helps us, you know, feel like we're on the right track and that there's folks that are you know, helping us, you know, helping support us putting ourselves. That out they want to listen to our voices. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're still listening to us, drone on still. <laughs> Thanks. We yeah. really appreciate that. That's so great. We're, you know, we're still trying to, we're still cutting our teeth with this, trying to figure out, you know, uh, the method and, and all that kind of I stuff. I feel like so. it's still in its infancy. You yeah. know, like when you have an infant, you're like, oh, they're teething, they're slobbering, they're getting it everywhere, they right. need a bib, you yeah, know. they're pooping their pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, diapers. Oh. oh. Yeah. So let's get on to some farm set updates. Oh, man. I decided that we were going to trim down the herd a bit the of goats. And we, I listed a couple of them, our, our two that were born last year. And Bullseye, the buck and sunshine. Yeah. And we ha- had them sold in like the first three hours of listing them. And so she came, picked them up and. All the way from West Virginia. Yeah. And then um, you had some friends over and Sugar was out. Gallivanting. Ga- I were at the farm with around. us. And- yeah. Being cute. And I uh, says, oh, is that for sale? And I said, no, she's not for sale. She's kind of like my pet goat. And they said, oh, do you have any, any other goats for sale? And I said, hmm. Well, come to think of it. <laughs> I better call the boss and see if she wants to get rid of her goats. And long story short, a nice Amishman left with a mama goat Marcia and a kid. the goat, the nanny goat, and Maple the kid. Yeah. And I also parted with some of my accumulated resources. His junk pile. Accumulated resources. AKA. <laughs> I mean, I saw the tr- I saw that it was treasure, 
And then, and obviously when they these did folks too. Were visiting, they weren't there looking. They weren't there on a treasure hunt, but they seen the treasure, <laughs> and they 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 had I'm very to have proud it. of you. I sold a, a couple goats, and you sold some junk, and so you know, all's well. All's well in the world, isn't it? Yeah. And how you doing on uh, keto? You doing? You still on that keto thing, or did you quit quit that diet to get <clears> on? Funny, funny, haha. No, I went through my birthday with a bust and didn't didn't do any bad things. No birthday cake. No on birthday, birthday cake. You are committed. I know. You and really want to see me to live, it don't you? In June, when you have your birthday and no cake. Why in the world are you doing this keto thing? Well, it's mostly for you because I don't want to be a widow, but also because I saw some, you know, the scale lower a little bit. Lower a lot of bit. Um, <clears throat> twelve pounds. That's pretty good. I mean, I usually don't. With. I don't lose that much weight unless I've had a baby. Yeah. So, <clears throat> no babies have been born in three years. So, I needed to shed some extra pounds that you know came back came on, and so I saw the benefit in that. And then feeling better, more energetic. You know, I I need more energy for <clears throat> these growing kids. So they don't stop growing, do they? No. How it's, about you? Well, it's been cool having you do keto with me because it's we've got a you know a support mechanism built in. There's accountability built in. You know, we cook all the same things, we eat the same things. Cut to the chase. How much have you lost? Twenty five pounds. <laughs> how long That's has it good. been? Um, we started January fifteenth, so it's been almost two and a half months. Three. Oh, yeah, we're going on like two. And, and a half I really months. do. I mean, I'm young. I'll be thirty seven this June. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel 10 years younger. Just that 25 pounds off of my knees, off of my back. I feel like I've got, you know, more stamina when I'm out working outside. I've got uh, just, I've, I just feel I have a more, um, more energetic outlook. Uh, it just, it feels really good to be able to, to do the things um, that I want to do. What happened though is, is I started uh, over the last week, uh, two almost last two weeks, I started getting really, really tired, like really, really tired, and I was noticing that when I would get up and down, uh, when I would lift things, I would get really, really lightheaded, and I'd almost black out. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And then had you check my blood pressure, and it sure enough, it low. was like stupid low. Yeah, it was way too low, like lower than mine's ever been. Like my bottom number was like sixty. Uh, but to be, I mean, to put it all out there, you were on prescription medication for your blood pressure because it was I'm sorry. too high. I'm sorry. What did you say? I, I was on. You Yeah, you were on and you did not need to continue those medications. It's not advisable to just quit, but um, he decided to do that against my advice. And uh, it's up and in an entire been week, okay. yeah. an entire week off of it and feeling good. Oh, still. man, feeling so good. I feel a. a you know, when I first were doing keto, I was starting to feel like awesome. Yeah. The blood pressure medicine was balanced. Yeah, but had, then you lose 25 pounds. <laughs> and then you lose 25 pounds, and all of a sudden, it's a different story. So I think, I don't, I don't want to get the cart before the horse, but I think like keto has literally saved my life to the point to where I'm not relying right now on blood pressure medicine. I'm not taking that anymore. Uh, I got off the medicine that was supposed to regulate my pancreas because of the sugar, sugar and the juice. insulin and the ups and the downs. Yeah. So just changing how I eat, cutting out the breads and sugars has been a game changer. Yeah. I feel better. I've lost weight and I'm not depending 
on medications to perform. And that's awesome. Yep, that's great. So we'll see how the next couple months go and how things change. And uh, as long as I can stay away from Jolly Pirate, Maple, I'm sure you'll Long be fine. John Donuts. We'll you'll be, be good. Right. <laughs> so let's get on with the show. Let's talk about what are we talking about today? Well, spring is 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 flirting. Well, it's kind flirting of. with yeah. Well, I guess spring technically the is here. hasn't bloomed, so the, we the could still have some hasn't snows. bloomed, but the dandelions are starting to show some yellow, and I love it. Yeah, red buds. I saw some red buds. You did? Yeah, in town. Oh man. It's it's always fun when the dandelions come up because the kids get excited. And I know. I have to discourage from picking because we've got bees that need them before we do. <laughs> they usually make a pretty good uh, dandelion jelly. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like liquid sunshine. It's, it's super good. And you know what else you can do with dandelions? You can make dandelion wine. Wow. I don't have to do that because Justin Hunt does. And he <laughs> makes a killer dandelion wine. <laughs> A little dab will do you, though. A little dab, okay. But it's nice because the got the, the spring peepers are out, and the dandelions are starting to show, and the, the trees are starting to bud. Things are coming back to life. Things are coming back to life, and we're, you know, uh, approaching grafting season and tree planting season, and we're right on the cusp of starting the bee season yep and on the last episode we're talking about the mess of the workshop and trying to get uh everything straightened up so we can actually get in there and get some work done and we've made some super good progress we're not there yet progress not perfection but here in a couple days i think we're going to be running some boards through and and we're going to be putting some boxes together yeah so building boxes you so that means you're not buying boxes why would you? Why oh, would you? No. Why would you build boxes versus just just buy them? Save yourself the time. There's a bunch of reasons. One I could the, Amazon Prime them. I'm sure. Oh yeah, you can you can buy you can buy fully assembled boxes. You can buy fully assembled frames that have the foundation in it. Um, I want to pretend that I have more common sense than dollars and cents. And Mostly. Since, and since I don't have much dollars and cents, that's probably a pretty fair statement. Yeah. When you're building a, we're trying to build a little bit of a bee yard, or let's say if you want to have a couple hives in the backyard, you wouldn't probably go through the aggravation of building all your stuff unless you were like really into woodworking and you already had all the tools. Or at least not the first year that you're trying to figure out if you like it or not, right? Right. Yeah. You would, yeah. I mean, just like us, you know, we traded Shane McClellan uh, when uh, we spoke at that homesteading uh, workshop. He, he, uh, got a hold of us and wanted to trade pork for bee boxes, and we had a great arrangement. And that um, helped us. Had a mentor us. and a yeah, he mentored us. <laughs> yeah, for the first year there, and we got uh, equipment and we got to develop, you know, learn, you know, what worked for us, what didn't, and then we kind of, um, you know, got a little bit of a, of, a, of a footing, and you know, that worked out to be, um, you know, a, a pretty good point to where we. Built the confidence. We built some confidence. Um, we got to learn enough about the bees to see how they fit uh, in, into our overall you know, context, how they fit um, in, into our scale. And it was kind of on accident because I ran out of those 10-frame boxes. Uh, I started using all the 5-frame boxes up. And I noticed, oh, my God, the bees I are like doing this. like yeah. way better in these 5-frame boxes when you stack them up. Um and that's kind of when I was getting into Don the Fat Bee Man and all those kind of things to where I was, you know, starting to learn more about 
and some common sense beekeeping and then digging deeper into some natural beekeeping techniques where, yeah, you know, the bees living in a tree, they, they like to build vertically. And it's not a real big area, you know, um, that, that they're doing that in. It kind of uh, more mimics a five-frame box kind of a setup. Okay. And uh, we just noticed, hey, the, these bees are doing pretty good. Like, they're doing way better in a five-frame building up than they are trying to build out into a 10 frame and then kind of build up and then we you know we at once we realized that you know 10 frame deeps weren't for us you know we had to either go buy all new equipment right or build it and um we decided that you know building the equipment was more cost effective because we had those you know early initial experiences with the bees and we thought hey there's there's something to this we don't know exactly what's going on here with the bees but it fits our context, it fits our scale, and it, it just does, there's a, um, a joy and happiness factor that we were just starting to understand. We didn't have the full picture. Um, and so we thought, you know what, we want to we go more towards running all medium boxes uh, and running uh, eight frame and five frame boxes. And um, we started kind of, you know, going down that route. So we decided, well, if we're going to want to f- afford to do this and we want to have you know, four or five or 10 hives, we can't buy, we can't afford to put the money out to just buy those assembled and have them delivered. You know, it gets to be to where you have, you know, $500 uh, in equipment per hive when you do it that way. Right. And that just, that's not, that that's it's not common. unaffordable. You know, most folks are getting into homesteading. They, you know, homesteading is expensive. You know, right. it's, it's almost a luxury to get started unless you were born on a farm or you were born on a farmstead. Um, when you're learning and you're uh, developing from scratch all these things, it it's it literally nickels and dimes you to death. So building them, you're you're it's like a seventh to a tenth of the price. And the great thing about building them is you're seeing how everything fits together. You you better understand you know bee space and the bees on the frames, how the frames fit into the boxes, uh, how you move those boxes up and down. And then if you want to tweak things, if you want to um, experiment a little bit, you go out to the wood shop and you run you off a box or a different type of a lid or a different type of a box. Um, or you different already type of a resource board. accumulated all those and I, tools. And I've though. already, yeah, I've already, accum- exactly. I've already, you know, been thrifty about buying the equipment and getting things set up and you had several of the things yep. from the old house though right so that was good yep so that so there, there's a certain there's a a craftsman uh enjoyment factor in it right there's a cost savings right factor in it um and there's like kind of like a developing your style your approach um um aspect to it that's you know you just you just don't get if you're buying you know prefabricated and built assembled and delivered boxes not necessarily customized yeah and so so the the bees fit into that aspect but there's there's also a super woo-woo side to bees that you really can't put words to but i've got a thinking chair out in the bee yard and i can go sit in that chair i can get my head put on straight i can learn more about myself Learn I call about it decompress her, about her family. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're, you sit in the chair, and you're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of little flying insects that could literally kill you. You're watching them come in and out of the box, and then like your next awareness is the sound, and you hear them—a beautiful 
humming kind of a sound. And then when you're just watching it and you're seeing that and you're listening to that, it's almost sometimes like you're up in the trees looking at yourself, looking at your bee yard. And it, it just puts you in a mental place to where you can refocus, you can decompress, you can you can get things all put together in a way to where it's hard to do that sometimes unless you have some kind of mechanism um, where you can find that piece, you can find that place um, to where you can kind of get get yourself rewired, get yourself you know put back on track. I know you enjoy the bee yard, but I see you do the same thing up in the garden. I don't. Yeah, I. <clears throat> it's not that I don't find joy in you keeping bees, and I love helping you. We use the bees a lot to, you know, help you. I, I, that's that's your decompression. I, I like my garden. My garden is my my kind of space for that, and canning and, um, you know, creating in that way helping provide for the family in that sense helps me do that. I could be there hours and you're like, are you done yet? You know, and you could be down in the bee yard Time and I'm like, just three hours. How in- long does it take to, you know, check bees or whatever? And you're like, Oh, well, I didn't realize what time it was, you know? So it's just finding that place that, that place that provides joy or um, the ability to decompress and kind of lose time. It's a good thing, not not in all aspects, because then you you know your husband or wife's you know stomping their foot or you know tapping their knee and going okay how long is it going to take to do this? But I think it's for you. you. You know, each individual person will find their place, and that's that's a good thing to have. Yeah, you, it's it's like there's this um, you can't describe it, but you you reach like a like a a zen point or a creative flow state when when I'm out in the bees and I'm working box by box by box and I'm methodically going through and I'm interacting like hours go by and I have no idea that it was just hours have gone by like, right. I'm just so lost in that yeah and the same thing with you and gardening like you'll be up there you'll be up before anyone gets up and you will be in there and on those days it's like uh hey uh you ready for lunch or like, did you forget you have kids to feed breakfast to? You know, if I get up at six and it's nine before anybody's like realizing where mom is and <clears throat> I don't do it on purpose. It's just a matter of you get up in there and you don't but even you need realize. That. Like that we, we all is... need that. Like it's super important to be able to find that thing for yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is cool because I think through gardening and through all the things that we kind of find joy in. We do the same thing when we bring and we include our kids in these things. So I include the kids in gardening and and uh, canning and preserving, and you've included the kids in the bee yard. And it doesn't matter if they're three or if they're seventeen; they found a place for themselves in that bee yard. You know, from the twins, you know, of course they're three, and they just follow and observe. They're, you know, they're following you through the bee yard, or they're sitting at the edge and watching Dad do his thing. You know, or Ben, you know, he's 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 five, but he's the big helper, and he he really engages with you. He had his own hive last year, even, and um, super awesome. He, he just has really found his way, and the girls, Annie and Izzy. Annie's seven and Izzy's nine and they both have been awesome they 
helped you look through the bees just, you know, when winter kind of broke and, you know, we found the first wisp of spring (laughs) and uh, they were awesome. You know, I can see their personalities budding even in the bee yard where Annie's more reserved and cautious and kind of takes the back seat to see. She's a lot like you. She is a lot like me. I do. I'll I'll help you all you need me to, but I'm not going to be the first one to crack the lid on the box. Izzy was all up in there. She's like, Dad, I'll just go ahead and do this one. You're like, hold on, hold on, wait, we're not done with this one yet. She is definitely the uh, adventurous, you know, take risk, you know, and and wants to be right up in there. And so that's cool to see their personalities budding in the bee yard. And then Jake, who's 12, he just he just is such an entrepreneur. He is a lot like you too, but he finds his way in the workshop. So he he found his his true kind of like passion or ability by building the items that you need. So getting the the frames and the wax foundations in for um, you, but also other people. And he was able to make a business out of it the last couple of years to help. He had a goal to buy his own computer and he did. The kid slapped leather and literally bought his own Mac. Bought a new Apple laptop. Yeah, like mine. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and he was, you know, 12. So um, that was super cool. And then Nate, he's our oldest, 17, and he is just our workhorse. He is definitely the one that will, he is like me a lot in ways where he kind of waits for you to, what do you need? What do you need me to do? I'm here to help. And he is just that helpmate. He, need, you know, he, he wants to help in any way he can. He's the strong back. He moves things. He, he helps and preps and, and helps dad get where he needs to be. <laughs> he's great. He helps keeps progress going. He's, he definitely <laughs> helps pick up the slack. He's, he's there to help uh, prep, get everything ready so we can get in and, and do those things. He's been an awesome helper uh, in the workshop, helped me get it cleaned up and, yep. um, and things like that. And we're like so close, like we are literally so close. Yeah. We're so close to be, uh, to get in the box. So starting to build the boxes and get the frames going. It, it's, it's fun because, you know, all the last couple of years as we just, we just like, you know, get enough stuff ready so we can get started and then we kind of work through it. We're like, we're to the point to where the wood shop and the workshop are both set up to where we can go in and work. Um, yeah. And then everything's set up. And then we can clean up and then it's the next thing. And then it's the next thing. It's all, you know, it has a, has a, a purpose and a place. Um, and that's, that's the fun. You know, one of the great things about the bees is they, they, they fit so many, um, there's just not a, they're not a one we, trick pony. There, yeah, there's there, a purpose. There's, for, a, there's, yeah, we, we, we always so talk about having, having, you know, three different purposes for the same, from the, for the same thing, oh, whether and the it's a tool or an enterprise and the bees, you know, they've, we, we're, we're obviously getting like wax to make salves and things like that. Yeah. We're getting the honey, uh, Absolutely. you know, for our own nutrition and, and for making meat and such. Um, and then we're able to, um, use them as a, as a business enterprise, yeah. To help finance the sustainability um, of the uh, the farm uh, and our bee yard venture, right? Um, and they also pollinate. Pollination. I so, mean, for us, I mean, I that's mean, they're one of the few things. Like, we, if you can find something that hits those th- hits hits three purposes, you're talking to a gardener's heart when you say pollination. <laughs> yeah. 
find something that find something that hits that hits three purposes, and you've got something. You find something that hits four, five, or six, or your yeah. function stacking like crazy. Yeah, that's that's something that that you could really put a lot more attention into, a focus into, and really develop that into something that's that's you know can be really impactful um, for your context. And uh, we've you have just like pork, just like we started a nursery business to finance our orchard. We start we you know, we we uh, sell pork to finance our family's pork. We have done the same thing with bees. Yeah, and we we sold out, um, and we so thanks again to everyone who who helped support our um, our our run at bees this year. Yeah. Um, but we yeah, we sold sell um, uh, nukes and and packages um, to help support and build our bee yard. Um, that's just another way to you can be frugal and use common sense um, and live within your means uh, and your budget to meet your goals. And it's been it's been awesome. Um, pollination is still huge with the bees. And I've seen such uh, a difference this last year with the garden yeah. on the, the vibrancy, the overall energy, but physically seeing a ton of honeybees and bumblebees everywhere. Yeah. It, and that's there was a lot a, of fun. Yeah, that was fun. And I think it helps because we do have trees. We do have, we don't have just like, okay, we're, we live in a forest. Yes. <laughs> but we've planted trees, right? And we have an established, well, we tried to establish an orchard. We should talk about that. Yeah. When we first got going out here, the first thing that we did was say, think about, hey, what's what's the longest term thing that we really have going on out here? Right. And it was tree crops. You know, yeah. what can we do to get some nuts uh, and some fruit established um, so we can build some um, some food resiliency, a little bit of uh, and, and going towards, I don't think we'll ever be completely self-sufficient, but we can be more resilient um, with our, our, our food budgets, our food needs, but also be able to provide a, uh, a, a, a specific um, food that you just can't buy. Right. Um, and so planting um the first orchard um was our first attempt at doing that and man have we that learned some big, hard lessons yeah that was a big venture that was definitely a big chunk um that was a big risk can you remember <laughs> i mean you were like 18 months pregnant <laughs> i felt like yeah i felt like a huge whale we were i mean so we i, I traveled around and followed, followed mark shepherd for a few workshops to um you know learn learn what I could better understand um, you know how orcharding and, and, and permaculture and um, how putting a farm how that all kind of works together and I realized that no matter you're, you're never going to learn all the things you're never going to know all the things so I, I, I made a decision to stop trying to learn all the things stop trying to absorb all the information and I decided to just get off my rear and do it and find we, it in your own context yep, we so we we invested in a ton of trees yeah and we put together an orchard plan that worked for our goals and our goals at the time were it was a beautiful plan but I mean, you really put a lot of thought fruit into it for us yeah uh, possibly have a you pick in the future have yeah. have maybe have some seeds and nuts yeah and some some fruit sales um and so this the hillside that we planted into is a north facing hillside that's spring fed 
And at the, at the time we planted, we didn't know a whole lot more about that. We did a soil test, soil yeah. sample. Lots of cool numbers. A bunch of cool numbers and weird words and no context and what to do with it. Because, you know, we were taking this like holistic permaculture route, man. Yeah. You know, you, you, we're not going to be put adding it on all contour, it'll all be good. Yep. Yep. Just put swales in, put them on contour, and everything is going to be fine. Well, four years later, how'd that, how'd that go for you? Four years later. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. After we, we planted about a th- close to, I think it was 800, almost 900 trees. Um, and we're down to less than 100. And that's still not horrible, but yeah, I think what, if like we... like a 90%, 80% loss, 90% loss. Well, at the time, we didn't know. Would you keep that of, business venture if you oh ever no. did it? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> like, not. If anything else that you ever did on a homestead, that's not sustainable. Was that? Yeah, I was gonna say. Was that horribly? It's yeah. Just you know, it's it's a big bummer because you know we should be already harvesting fruit. Yeah, but lessons learned, hard lessons learned, hard knocks. Can't YouTube that. We we don't have time to get into like all of the details, but you know briefly what the layout is um, is we have uh, tree rows that are on contour um, that are all below a ridge pond at the top of the at the, at the top of the property uh, we dug a little pond so we we could irrigate uh, the trees but more importantly um, water all the livestock um, and so we cut swales on contour using a two bottom plow. And an old John Deere 3020 worked great. Uh, it does a fantastic, fantastic job of catch, capturing water. Um, we just didn't realize how much water that hillside had, um, and we also didn't realize how challenging the soil type was. Our soil is so challenging here that our city is nicknamed Pottery Town, USA. You might as well be making clay pots on that hillside. And the kids do. Yes, they do. They'll make clay and put it next to a fire. You grab a, a handful of this, rub it, you know, rub it between your hands, and you can make as long of a snake as you want. I mean, it's, it's. You feel like afterwards, you like hitting your forehead and going dur. Like, yeah. what were we thinking? I mean, th- there's like there's lots of nutrients there. Yeah. Um, but the 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 molecules are or the 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 size of the part the particles are so small, it just almost chokes the roots where they have to work really, really hard to get established. So we planted all these trees. We planted them three feet apart, uh, and we t- kind of timed the entire planting to where uh, the earlier setting fruit would be at the bottom and the later setting fruit would be at the top to help out with how wet the hill is. Um, and we planted, um, you know, rather than planting like an apple every 12 feet, we planted like an apple, and then three foot away would be, um, let's say uh, a sea berry, and then three foot away would be another sea berry. Three foot away would be another sea berry, and then three foot away would be another apple. So we we created a pattern to where it would be an overstory, um, followed by a, like a more of a mid story, another mid story, another mid story, and then another overstory apple to kind of create kind of kind of fill in that texture. So we don't have this you know open spaces between the trees. We're trying trying to take advantage of some of those spaces. And we had some other ground cover things. We had some comfrey, lots of different apple varieties, um, but also berry varieties. We had aronia, elderberry, sea berry. We also had some nuts. We had hazelnuts. We had some some chestnuts along the outside. We had some mulberry. So we had this this really neat polyculture of fruit and nuts. Um, that would have been beautiful. And they, 
they still could catch on. So on top of having, you know, all of that, all those issues, we're we're nestled here in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains on the, on the west side of them, where there it's the foothills, uh, and we're only a couple miles from a a, a nice size Lake Dillon State Park, uh, and so we're surrounded by forests and large pasture areas, and we are absolutely plagued by large forest rats like the white-tailed kind the white-tailed kinds oh my <laughs> gosh doesn't matter how many you harvest and turn into deer sticks they still come back for every four you harvest that uh, 14 comes back it seems and so they just keep mowing things down and mowing things down so they've helped keep we the, invested um, in trees but we didn't invest in anything to actually protect them right and they just literally mowed everything down, and they still. And, and you things, think even though there's weeds around it, and they still there's everything they find else, them. They find it now in this first orchard. If we didn't plant the Antonovka, we used Antonovka seedlings, standard rootstock, which these trees will live for 150 years old, 150 years, producing apples. Um, they have some uh, some stout hardiness to them. They're standard, so they'll get tall, super tall. Yeah, it's the Greek proverb where a, a society grows great. When old men plant trees under the shade, they know they'll never sit under. When you plant these kind of trees, you're you're planting trees that your grandkids and great grandkids could be pulling fruit from. Like that's awesome. Unfortunately, if the deer come through and wipe you out before you haven't had a chance, it's so discouraging. <laughs> yeah. Nobody'll see them. <laughs> but these those so. trees are so stout and they're so robust that they keep trying to regrow. And regrow and right. regrow. So we're gonna we're gonna we've learned some lessons and we're we're gonna do some things differently, uh, including uh, we're gonna do make another orchard. <laughs> we're gonna make another orchard, and we're gonna make it smaller. Yeah. Um, and so more we, manageable. More manageable, and, and it's we, gonna be fenced in eight foot fence. Yep. So we're we're putting the second orchard in eight foot perimeter fence, and we've done a lot more work to actually improve the soil ahead of time. We saw a huge improvement just by running the cows there. Super green, lush grass came, and we were like, "Whoa, where'd that come from?" Weeds are disappearing. Yeah, and we had we had grazed the goats too, and through there, got a lot of thicky. I don't. know, What do you call those things? Multiflora rose. Oh yeah, those and blackberry yeah. brambles. Yep, that they cleared so of much of that stuff out that we couldn't even walk through. Um, and then started. You got the idea of the second orchard. And you were like, hey, we're going to place round bales over the winter right where we want these to go and so the rows to go. So you just started placing the round bales to feed the cows out um, for the winter right where we wanted the rows to be in line with. And we're hoping to create enough of, you know, kind of a buffer there. Yeah, we're build, building, building soil, soil, increasing the fertility. Yeah. You know, so it's, it should be way. It's it's we know it's 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 responding in a positive way because more grass and things are growing and less of the weeds and things. Um, but we're kind of um, uh, being more deliberate on where we're putting uh, the fertility, and then as they pull all that hay off the round bales in those rows, they're creating a nice thatch. Right. So what we can do then is pull that back, plant the trees, and that'll help keep. The trees moist, number one, but number two, help keep the initial grass that's going to compete with the trees, help keep that down. Down, right. Now, whether or not the grass is actually going to choke or, you know, rob a nutrients, I don't really know, but 
it's going to be less to have to to manage i think right now that obviously is going to if there's seed in that hay it's going to um grow but the idea is like hopefully that's going to be more of a, of a latent uh growth to where we can help get the trees established and then possibly that um that may grow um but one of the big differences between orchard number two and orchard number one is the type of apple trees that we're planting we're going for um we grafted everything last year about a hundred different um so we know they took we know we, see, know they see, took. we, we grafted and then we put them directly in the ground with oh, the that's first a good orchard. point yeah so that was yes. hard because we oh, had birds yeah, landing and like literally mistake. breaking the grafts right like it, it didn't matter it, it you you didn't even have to have a deer rub up against it a bird could right. land and like think it's a stick to land on and literally ruin your entire graft for that year yeah so we were grafting bench grafting and then planting super smart that was so stupid <laughs> live and learn because literally hard I, I actually watched a little little yellow finch fly and land right on top of a little tiny stick mm-hmm. and it went whoop it, yeah like and it doesn't matter how much how much grafting tape or nope. grafting it didn't uh, matter comp sealer or compound it, it it's like sometimes so that's all everything that that's in those beds that we grafted last year we know has at least taken and they've taken they're stout the graft yeah, is healed the graft is healed yep. up it's it's survived it's survived and so now it's like okay that's like one less thing to destroy it <laughs> right and so um because we're like literally four years behind now right from when we started um what we're opting to do um for this um orchard number two is we're planting dwarf and semi-dwarf rootstock so we can hopefully get fruit sooner we can also um keep uh we've got it's a smaller we have, layout we have, we have more variety than we can put in there but we've got about oh 25 or 30 different varieties in the nursery bed that we we can put there in some other places but we can also um uh help keep a scion library for ourselves, right to where we can keep taking cuttings and keep grafting without having to import um, so it's an, uh, just right. an one another way to help be um, sustainable when it comes to the orchard. So, um, yeah, so eight foot perimeter fence uh, going to dwarf and semi dwarf rootstocks um, using the cows to help build the soil, uh, keep things fertile, hopefully help with some in- initial grass growth. Um, and the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to run pigs in the alleys between to till all that up. You mean we're going to make bacon? We're going to make bacon <laughs> while we rototill. While we rototill. Rototilling bacon? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so one one really good thing about doing that is uh, we're able to then plant those alleys with white clover, uh, some yellow clover, some uh, some pollinator. And we've done that. Well, we actually rototilled ourselves. We did the same thing in other yep. areas of our farm yep. and you you'd till up that area and then you'd put what you want there instead of the the noxious weeds that would grow automatically you overgrow you know you overseed immediately sometimes and put, you, yeah you got initial force, disturbance yeah you know to help you know facilitate something that's more uh, in line with your context or your scale or, or so your our vision cute little spotted bacon seeds are going to help rototill and put what we want between these Orchard rows, building fertility. Yep. Yeah, yep. And so that that's and, and they're going to be there 
before we plant the oh, trees. Oh, for sure. We're going to run them through there. And, and they're then going the in between. Yeah. yeah, we're going yep. in between. And and where they're going to be at, they're going to be far enough away from the trees where we don't have to worry about like hot pig manure. Yeah, no. Um, oh, with too much fertility. Um, but so that, that's a pretty cool, you know, it, that's where, you know, bees fit into our the farmstead context for all the, all the ways that we already talked about more than three different things. Um, the orchard is, is, is the same thing. Um, there's so many aspects to, you know, why that's great. We're, we're, we're can, we can feed ourselves. Yeah. Um, we can f- um, help feed our community. Yeah. Um, we can feed our animals. Yeah. Um, the the bees can then also uh, pollinate and forage all those different blossoms. Yeah. Which comes back to the honey. We're building all these. Um, we're closing some of these loops where all these things are all kind of uh, interwoven together. And I, and I love that aspect about um, farm setting this way. Is we can tie things together where everything's oh, kind yeah. of integrated. Um, and that's where you know bacon and having pigs um, makes is, sense. Is such just a it's it's so fun and it's gotten way funner when we kind of changed our 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 thinking and our mindset when we got real with ourselves about our context and our scale to where you know raising pigs for a full time wage is not it's not gonna it's not gonna work for us. But what is gonna work for us is rekindling the old time ways. And getting back to to raising pigs, raising the family pig. Yeah. Watching our kids take joy in, they've raised that pig, that's our bacon. You know, when I go to the store and have to buy any meat whatsoever, you know, even lunch meat, Lily was just saying today, mom, is that our meat? Where'd that meat come from? She's three. She's questioning already. That's crazy to me. So I think rekindling the old time ways and making that a priority in our life is super important. And I see I see it, the fruit in our kids. They're questioning where that food comes from. And then it makes me feel bad that I don't have the lunch. I don't like raise our own <laughs> lunch meat, you know, like, hold on, I kind of do, but I kind of don't have time for everything. They're learning so many things, you know, so You don't young. even realize. You don't realize that they're learning, that, that they would even question that at three they're having a hand in things that are going to impact their children's life at the age of three. Yeah, they're they're thinking like whether already. or not they raise pigs when they get older, or their kids Maybe do. Who knows? Yeah, but they'll have this point of reference to where they did. They or understand. they question it. Maybe they find a local farmer and support them. Yeah, totally. That that's me- meant a lot to us, and that and I th- I hope that if they don't do this for themselves, they at least keep it local. And and know their farmer and and are you know befriends somebody that can do it for them. It, it closes the circle. There's so many aspects about raising pigs, even if it's two pigs or five pigs. You're you're taking your life into your own hands, which I know it sounds crazy. You know how 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 dare we even think about those kind of things? But I think that's the heart of homesteading. Is you start you start to be more accountable and more responsible for your actions, um, your inputs, uh, and you you're more accountable for food miles, where your food comes from, and you help better understand that entire cycle. One of the fun things about raising pigs is butchering and curing and smoking, kind of going back to some of these old time ways 
um, of doing all this. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you, a lot of folks would read every single book and have to go to 18,000 workshops and have every video and try to figure out what is the best way to do all these kind of things. French charcuterie is not for us. Like we like old-fashioned hillbilly country ham and bacon. Mm, yeah, it and, suits our family well. Exactly. And that's the fun part about raising a pig is you don't have to raise a pig and uh, always make head cheese or riettes or uh, guanciale or any other aspect. You're not disgracing the pig by not doing those things. Right. You're also not disgracing the pig if you butcher your own pig and you decide you want every bit of it in sausage. Not at all. No. You're using every bit of it. And everything that is tiny bits, I mean, we've had less than a five-gallon bucket full of scraps, and I'm talking barely. And that was literally still fed to our chickens and gave them extra nutrients. No, or compost or whatever you want to call it. That they ate everything of it, all of it. So it's it's not wasted, and it's it's something that you can custom. We custom cut our pork chops the way we like them. You know, you get your tomahawk. You know, it sounds like some sort of frisbee you throw tomahawk chop. You know, come on, girl, you talking dirty now? <laughs> talking about them tomahawk chops? You get <laughs> every me a little hot under like the collar to, here. You, that's your like special reward for seeing it through for the whole year and getting to you know get to. If you don't know what a tomahawk day. chop is. Imagine a bone-in pork chop that has the fat cap and the skin, and you come around, ooh, that outside edge of that pork chop, where that bone is, where the rib bone is, and you have the complete rib meat all the way down and around, and it curls under, and you get just a touch of bacon. So you have a piece of meat here that has a little bit of bacon. It's like the trifecta. And all of the rib meat and the entire top loin. with the yeah. It's just, it's like... A com- it's a complete segment of the pig and to have that I don't know that you'd ever get that at a butcher though with lard and a little rosemary and salt and pepper cooking over some charcoal now you're making me hungry the sky opens up and the doves cry <laughs> the doves the universes cry. align oh, oh lordy man it's oh lordy it's, it's I think you, you know you're doing something when just that one moment in time makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I love that. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I love curing the hams, and I love running the smokehouse and having a smokehouse full of stuff. That's awesome, too. But the most important thing, the moment that the animal drops and you, you, and you, and you took its life, it's food. Yep. If the whole thing goes into sausage... It's still food to feed your that's family. That's awesome. Yeah. If you salt cure the entire thing whole, that's awesome. As long as you're doing whatever fits your family's palate and and how you eat the pork and you actually eat it, that's the most important thing. You know what my favorite part about raising pigs, you know, when it comes to butcher day is that it's a family event still. Like it's family. Our kids our kids are coming together and seeing and helping. And you know, we have our family come in and help you know, mixed sausage and, you know, there's all these fun things that you, 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 you have those memories. It's like when mom would, mom and Jeff would have their apple trees and we would press cider and it, you have these memories that you don't have. Like, Oh, remember that time we went bowling? Huh? Which time? You know, like 
I feel like you have certain memories that are attached to food and the things that you process together that you can't make any other way. That's a great point. When you're when you're gathered together and you're doing something with food preparation or you're breaking bread, like it's a special the thing. The first when you, when you're when the hog scrapers yeah. are scraping and the hair is a flying. Yep. Like those are you. Ne- you never forget the sights and the smells and the laughs and the and all the good times. Elbow that to you elbow have. with the guy next to you or the person next to you, and you don't forget those things. I don't forget mom and Jeff staying way late and helping mix sausage or, you know, it's it's just and you take every single moment and you go okay, you know I remember that and it was worth it. You're building memories that last, and you're 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 helping to pass down and to perpetuate the old time ways, and that's I mean that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. That's you know when we when we work up a whole hog and we hang it and we roast that over over a fire for twenty hours, then we all get together and break bread and eat. It's it's such a blessing to be able to show you know our our family and friends that. They mean so much to us that we put in that kind of time and effort. And it also means so much to us that they come and they bring a dish. Are they there? They, you know, we'll, just their time, their time, bring and just help support one another. Just that old fashioned. Yeah. Being generous yeah. on every occasion. We can give when, when people need it and they're giving to us when, you know, we, we need more than two hands. You know, you could, you could butcher a pig all by yourself it's within your capabilities totally would you remember doing it as as much or would you enjoy doing it as much alone as you do when you have a community uh, Way of better. family and friends come and and help and, in, and enjoy that time with them no i i there is no way that you you could say i i, I just really just want to do this alone i mean i guess you could but I, I'm I'm a I'm definitely an you know introvert, and I still enjoy the family and the friends that come and help. I think it's great. I know we've we've said it a lot, but it's that kind of thing that always reminds me of this one quote from Masanobu Fukuoka: "When it's understood that one loses joy and happiness in the attempt to possess them." The essence of natural farming will be realized. The ultimate goal of farming is not the growing of crops, but the cultivation and perfection of human beings. That's awesome. That's that that's what it's about. That's that's where that's where it's so important to to take the time to to visit with your fellow beekeepers, uh, or your your fellow homesteaders, or urban homesteaders, or a neighbor, or a coworker spend time to shake somebody's hand you know bend an ear be there for them be that lighthouse build community that's that's where so much of the of joy and happiness is a consequence of doing these kind of things rather than trying to do the things to find it to possess joy and happiness yeah so funny story we were Going down to pick up these pigs. Yeah, that was a fun date. Wasn't that? A, that was a hot <laughs> date if we ever had one. We, we always get the funnest dates. Smoking hot. <laughs> Woo wee. We um 
go pick up these little pigs. It was a, uh, a new breed for us this year. We've raised uh, Tamworth. We've raised the large black Tamworth cross. Love all those. We uh, did some haul growths with uh, Steve's pigs before, and they were absolutely awesome. So, and so good. I thought, well, let's, let's give them a shot. Let's see how they do. We went down and, and picked them up. And in the past, we usually get gilts or barrows. And we go the easy route and get girls. We go the easy <laughs> route. If you're not familiar with, with a barrow, it is a boy pig that has had his manhood or future manhood removed. He's been castrated, yes. There's butchers uh, in different parts of the country and even in the state of Ohio here that if you bring in a boy pig in all of his manhood, they unfortunately will, uh, they can mark... Uh, your products as not for resale, With, yeah, which is kind of ungood tea. if you're producing products for resale. Absolutely. So that there's a thing that can happen with uh, some uh, breeds of pig uh, to where if they are intact and they're a boar, they can have boar taint. We haven't had that experience ourselves, but because um, our pork is for sale and our butchers up here are pretty keen to mark them as not for resale. Right. Um, we had boy pigs that needed their manhood removed. So then did you decide that you were going to YouTube university it? Because we've never had, I mean, you know, I'm thinking, are we going to use YouTube? Like, I don't feel comfortable with this. Well, you know, it would probably be like modern day homestead fashion to like, um, you know, get on YouTube, watch 18 videos and then uh, buy, your own video. buy four GoPros <laughs> and then take your own video as being an expert and then post that on YouTube. Yeah, because now you're an expert because you went to YouTube right. University for the 18 videos you watched. <laughs> Instead of doing that, I decided to be smarter than I usually am and phone a friend. Yes. Because I've got friends in low places. <laughs> And then I've got a friend that likes me. So Sean <laughs> and Katie Brown, big shout out to the Browns. Oh, they were they were the day savers. They they came out on short notice. Yes. Drop what they were doing Sunday morning. Yes. And they uh, came out to teach us how to cut pigs. Or other words, castrate What's a nice way to the say mouse. It? Yeah. Castration. Yes. It castrate. Yeah. Castrate. Yeah. Cut. Remove yeah. the manhood. Half, yes. half the man they used to it was be. was a little nutty that day. Oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fun experience. I, I was so glad they were there to help. And Katie was nice enough to show us with the first. We had three to do. Show us with the first. And you wanted to do the second and the third. And I was the hold the back legs or hold the front legs lady. Isn't it amazing how strong and how loud they are? They are extremely strong, and you would almost hope to have earplugs, but I didn't, so I just manned up and. It's bad enough that we've got that banjos going off here, but that banjos oh, and squealing pigs. The neighbors. I mean, it was something straight off. I have the no clue. I'm just glad it wasn't I like six o'clock in the morning, or they probably would have. Never heard our neighbors about it. So. No, no, they know we're weird. They hear our kids. They know we're goofs. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you you did the second we, and the third. We did it, and they we didn't kill any pigs. No, no, no pigs. They didn't bleed to death. They, they were um, awesome. They went out a couple hours later and were in their paddock and rooting it up, and, acting like and nothing ever town. happened. 
put them right, right there in the training paddock so they could learn off, learn to uh, stay within hot wire, and they did great. So so far, really loving um, the temperament of them. I will say that out of the variety, the breeds that we've raised before, um, these old spots they definitely are way more destructive. Than any other pig we've had so far. A rototiller, for they sure. They are heavy rototillers, to yeah. say the least. And I don't really, I guess I could have, you know, put rings in their nose, but I didn't really want to do that. We'll see how it goes. I can only they're, imagine what that kind of sound would have been. They're going to, oh my gosh. <laughs> One thing for sure, they're going to do a heck of a job. We're going to run them uh, through the forest paddocks to help uh, continue to, to cut down on the multiflora and the, and the brambles. And to uh, help open up some more light, one one of the great things aspects about the pigs, especially here in our context, we have a lot of dogwoods. Yeah, uh, really heavy dogwood thickets, uh, and the dogwoods only get to be about like uh, maybe like wrist or ankle size in diameter, and the pigs love them. And so the and they've got a real shallow root system, so the the pigs will go in, tear, dig start to dig up the roots, and the trees will start falling over. Yeah, and so we'll have a paddock full of all these uh, falling over. Um, dogwood trees well if you're wondering well why is that a good thing well dogwood has one of the highest btus even higher than black locust so it's a really hot burning a really tight grain real dense wood and it's already stove wood in diameter yeah so literally the pigs knock it over we go with a chainsaw quickly cut it into stove, stove length, lengths yeah uh, sections and we've got beautiful stove wood. It's so awesome to cook with. Yeah. It has a nice, hot, steady heat. Um, and so... And it's pretty easy to maneuver because it doesn't have like really huge monstrosities of branches and things like there's that. There's no big heads or nope. you know to worry about or anything. It's, um, it's just it's, really perfect. Yeah. So they're knocking those down. We can get more light to the soil so we can have you know other uh, more diversity with, with other uh, grasses or um, other you know, fruit or nut bearing shrubs. They're kind of, you know, paving the way. They're kind of like the pioneers in those areas to uh, pave the way for our future plans there. So that's just another purpose that the pigs have is making us firewood. So that's been, that's been really, really awesome. So, well, thanks again for listening to us. Uh, Drone on and on and on here. Yep. Uh, Thanks again for all the support, uh, for all the comments uh, for everyone who's sharing the podcast, it really helps to get the word out, all the reviews. Uh, we've been getting a ton of feedback, uh, lots of questions, uh, funny stories, and hard lessons learned. That's right. You want to share some of those? Yeah, let's do it. How about a question? Shoot. This question is from Rick Beach over there at Wolf Beach Farms in Indiana. Rick asks, what are the biggest hurdles you face in farming? two come to mind so in my mind the two hurdles are time and money it's never enough either is there no because like your grandpa always says when you've got enough time you don't have the money and when you have the money you don't have the time he's smart you know if i could save time in a bottle the first thing that i'd like to do is save every no not ringing any bells there jim croce Time in a bottle. Man, girl, your your musical vocabulary is just <laughs> lacking. <off. laughs> Next is uh, from Adam Rapier, and his hard lesson learned was where do I start? Well, taking a job that required extensive travel and watch the nine hives I had die off because I wasn't home to do what I was supposed to, 
still mad at myself about that one. Ouch. Yeah. That's rough too. When you get to like nine hives, I mean, that's at a minimum if you factor, if you calculate how much you have in boxes and frames, not 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 to mention the wax that are that are on there and potential honey. I mean, you're you're looking at five thousand dollars plus. Ouch. That's just, and I think it's just. So you have a financial loss. Yeah. And then you, if he, you know, was trying to grow a bee yard and do it year after year and, you know, God, I, I know the feeling where your number one, where your day job, your your main hustle obviously takes precedence over any side hustle or um, hobby hustle that you have, even if you're trying to build it into something and you have nine hives that you're not there to inspect or go through. and Sometimes over ambition. Over ambitiousness. <laughs> gets the best of us yeah but good hard lesson learned rick beach has a hard lesson learned this is a good one while my permaculture certificate changed my way of thinking i could have done it without spending the money unless you plan on teaching worldwide a pdc may not be right for you there are tons of great resources that are free find a guide or mentor to help you out, but a PDC will not give you the answers you are looking for to improve your soil, garden, or farm. Example, <laughs> buy a $500 Ergo imported hammer because everyone said it's the best. What if you need a screwdriver or a saw or a headlamp? Instead, go to Harbor Freight, get the basics to get you started, and you have money left over to buy seeds and or animals. That's smart. That's so smart. I know Rick and his wife, they've been at it for a while, long enough to know that you can't find all the answers in books. You can't find all the answers in videos. You're not going to find them in workshops. You're not going to accumulate enough information to magically get started and to find and the to be successful. Gizmos. It's not. Start off, keep it simple. Start off with, you know, with the basics and see where that takes you. And then you're going to have more... Uh, mental capacity, financial availability, uh, and overall more resources to put towards those things once you actually fine-tune them. I like to consider it the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. Hey. (laughs) Good one, Rick. That's a real good one. That's awesome. This funny story comes from Jenik34 from Instagram. And this one's funny. Oh, boy. One of the funniest moments that happened last summer was with our youngest, Finley. Finley loved to feed the chickens scratch. They always followed him around everywhere he went. Well, one day, he was feeding the chickens scratch naked. Well, you can imagine how that went. And unfortunately, the chickens thought they were going in for a worm and went for Finley's goods. Poor kid is scared shitless. Every time we were out with the chickens, Finley would run away holding himself. Saying no worm chickens. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> Man, so that's funny. Yeah. I guess lesson learned there is make sure you got your britches on if you're going to go out and feed the chickens. Amen. That one's funny. Thanks, everybody, for all the feedback, all the questions, all the hard lessons learned and funny stories. Keep them coming. Keep them coming, and we'll be sure to read them on the next episode. It's great uh, to know that someone's listening other than our kids right. and our moms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they love us kind of <laughs> that's fine so until next time 
Be the change. Be the lighthouse. And keep it contrary. We'll see you guys. Bye. Yeah, so again, big shout out, big thanks to the Browns for yeah. coming out and uh, teaching us. Being our friends. Being our, <laughs> being our friends, uh, first and foremost. And second, our nutty friends. <laughs> being our... Oh, that's good. You just you're on a you're on a roll. I, I just can't believe you have the balls to keep using that joke. It's just I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs> <laughs> good, good night, night Seattle. Seattle.